What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good afternoon, if it is an afternoon on your side of the world, or good evening. It is a good morning here in West Michigan. It is Friday, September 2nd, 2022, and then we are approaching Labor Day weekend, so I'm sure a lot of people are probably getting ready to go on their long three-day weekend trips and their getaways. And I tell you what, that's kind of a beautiful thing for me here in Michigan, because Michigan seems to be a very big uh Seems to be a very big getaway spot for a lot of people, especially down in Illinois. Uh, we get a lot of people from Illinois. It's funny when I lived in Wisconsin. It, it's like was between Wisconsin and Michigan, we always seem to get the flood of people from Chicago. And not that, that that's a bad thing, but if you're trying to go hunting, that kind of sucks because it's just you know we always had a joke in Wisconsin. If it's if they their their mentality is if it's brown, it's down. And so it was always kind of annoying because we always had a, a good flood of people from Chicago that always hunted around our property uh, over in Wisconsin. And so, you know, you always when you hunt, when you're a hunter, you always make sure that you 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 maintain and you abide by certain unwritten rules like, you know, you don't you don't put down a buck if it's below a certain point level, you know, if it has a, a skimpy rack on it, if you will, right. Or, you know, or if it's just kind of a, what we call a button buck where it just has, you know, spikes on it, or it's just, you know, it's a big enough deer, you can harvest, you know, a good amount of meat on it, but you know, you can clearly tell it's going to, you know, it could be possibly a, a big buck in a three, you know, two or three, four year period. And so, you, you know, you kind of abide by some of these unwritten rules, but you know, when you get out of towners, <clears throat> Chicagoans and they come up in your area and they start hunting, you know, pieces of property that, you know, they got permission to hunt or, or maybe they own the land, but you know, they may even own the land, but here's the thing. They may not know the proper, I guess, preservation of good solid deer, right. To allow a good buck to, to grow. And so, yeah, they just, uh, you know, if they see Brown, it's down and that's not really the way to go but anyway this is not a hunting show this is one percent with him i am jason your co-host glad to have you here at his hard line i am the co-host i should say and um with god and jesus christ at my side because they are the hosts they're the ones in charge they're the ones at the wheel they're at the helm and they are steering this ship through these crazy chaotic waters and this storm that we call life and like i always say you put 100 percent trust of you know in god 
and you hand over your life, complete surrender over to God, he will steer your personal ship into a safe harbor so that you may be able to finally anchor, get some peace and, and actually get your footing on actual solid dry land. And there's a lot of there's a lot of symbolism behind what I say there. There's a lot of meaning behind that because it's dry land indeed what we're looking for. We're looking for stability. We're looking for, you know, we're looking to get back to common law. We're looking back to get God centered around everything in our life again like we used to. You know, if I heard correctly, and I have no way of verifying this, but it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, but back in the old days, when I say the old days, I'm not talking like the 50s and 60s. I'm talking like colonial days. Everybody always carried around, or not colonial days, well, yeah, maybe colonial days, but even like after the um, after the signing of the Declaration of Independence and everything like that, everybody carried um, a Bible, and they always carried, I believe it was a, uh, you know, a constitution, a pocket constitution, or not even a pocket, constitu- t- pocket constitution, but they always carried around a Bible. And um, I, from what I understand, you know, the constitution, or maybe they didn't always carry it around, but that's all they read. That's all they read. Because, you know, you got to remember, there's no TV back then. There was no internet. There was none of that stuff that, you know, polluted your mind and, and got you distracted. Um but people always read their Bible, that people always read their constitution and, and their declaration of independence and some of the founding documents, you know, if there was if there was copies. And it was something that people just continuously stayed up to date on as far as knowledge goes. In fact, the you know, the Bible was the base, I guess, from what I understand, around homeschooling in general. And so we just need to get back to the good old days, in my opinion, because these new days they're not so great, you know. I mean, technology is wonderful. We benefit, we all benefit from technology, but at the end of the day, I mean, look, I'm benefiting from technology right now because I'm able to do this podcast. But, you know, if I had my choice, I, I would definitely love it to just be all, you know, at least back to a basic minimum, you know, maybe not completely abolish it because technology does have a place in society, without a doubt. But, it seems like the further advanced technology gets, the well, the further backwards humans get in, in their advancement as far as their uh, thinking goes. So, But anyway, today we are going to be reading out of the book of Psalms, chapter 11 and 12. They're both fairly short. And there is a reason for that because I have a His Hardline discussion that I'm going to be doing right at 5 after 8. Assuming my audio will cooperate with me, I did test it, so sounded like everything was solid but we'll see because every time after i do one podcast and i try to go back into doing another one about a minute or two later it always wants to be um, non-cooperative so here we go chapter 11 book of psalms and this is only seven verses but it says the lord in the lord i take refuge how can you say to my soul flee as a bird to your mountain for behold the wicked bend the bow They have set their arrows on a string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the sons of mankind. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked and his soul hates one who loves violence. 
He will rain coals of fire upon the wicked and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. Now for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness and the upright will see his face. So what does Psalm 11 mean? So Psalm 11 does not really have a clear context, but it's possible that David wrote this while he was still being threatened by forces of King Saul. Another possibility is that this is part of his reaction to the rebellion of his son, Absalom. And the general theme is that godly people can trust the Lord, so they should stand firmly against evil. And if God-honoring authority is lost, there is nothing more good people can do. Now, the opening lines of Psalm are a rhetorical question, whether through the advice of his counselors or his own fear, David is being tempted to flee in terror. And his response, in essence, is to say, well, how could I do that? Like, how could I do that? And so David realizes that godly authority in this particular case, his role as king, cannot be lost without catastrophic consequences. And so when you get into the third verse of Psalm, it has been applied to everything from culture to family to government and even to personal faith. So if the most crucial, important building blocks are dissolved, there simply, there simply is nothing that can be done to avoid disaster. So contrasting the urge to run away, David celebrates the fact that God is sovereign and aware of everything. And he knows that God cares deeply for his people and for righteousness. And so the psalm closes with David's prayer for God's judgment to fall on evil people and a hopeful anticipation of one day seeing the face of God. I tell you what, I guarantee you, though, there is a lot of people that are praying for that right now. That God's judgment will indeed fall on evil people. We are seeing it everywhere around the world. And I think God's judgment is falling on evil people. Because remember, each of us have a specific job that we have to engage in on behalf of God. When they say God is everywhere, God is everywhere. And God moves very mysteriously through his people. And I can definitely say that with the amount of things that we have been seeing publicly come out in various media outlets, both independent and obviously big corporate ones, which have been typically labeled as fake news, but it's amazing to see what's been coming out even in the big media outlets, stuff that a lot of people have already known for a year, year and a half, two years. You're starting to see some of this stuff come out on mainstream, and it's like, whoa. And I really think that is for a reason, too. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, that's verse 11 in a nutshell. Now, as we get into verse 12, that one reads, Help, Lord, for the godly person has come to an end, for the faithful have dispersed from the sons of mankind. They speak lies to one another. They speak with flattering lips and, doubt and, double, and a double heart. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. The tongue that speaks great things, who have said with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? 
because of the devastation of the poor, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will put him in the safety for which he longs. And the words of the Lord, in pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, filtered seven times, you, Lord, will keep them. You will protect him from this generation forever. The wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of mankind. And now, so then that concludes the reading. That was only, again, very short chapter, only eight verses in chapter 12 there. And so as far as what chapter 12 means, now, as we know, the Bible does not shy away from recording honest human complaints. There's no doubt about that, especially, you know, I mean, especially when we read some of the Old Testament outside of Psalms. And so faced with evil or persecution, believers sometimes ask, God, where are you? And I've been in that band camp myself. I've often asked, God, where are you? Like, why are you allowing this to happen? I'll be honest with you, when my wife was going through her miscarriage and she we found out it was an ectopic pregnancy where she started, you know, needing to go to the ER uh, two different two or three different occasions. I can't even I can't even remember anymore because we had like seven or eight blood panels she had to do over a two week period. Uh, two ER visits, and then in the middle of those two weeks, we ended up having like three surgeries. I mean, it was just, ugh, it was a very challenging two weeks, but we got through it. You know, it's a storm that we ended up, you know, weathering, not a big deal now. But, you know, my wife, whew, you know, that was a very crazy time. But, you know, we asked that, and I know I've asked that. My God, what? And I, I like I said, I actually had an argument with God. I actually yelled. I, I was in my truck in the middle of my shift and I was so angry. I was like, God, what in the hell is wrong with you? Why are you letting this happen? I don't care right now that I use a bad word towards you. What is your problem that you have to do this to my wife? You know how badly she wants to be a mother. You know, this is like our third or fourth uh, miscarriage. Why are you doing this? And I know in a grand scheme of things, it's not the biggest, you know, it's not a lot of miscarriages because there's women. I, my wife, my wife's sister knows. I think her neighbor had like 18 or 19 different miscarriages before they finally had a baby. I mean, so I guess four, if you compare it to that, I guess isn't a whole lot. But still, even one miscarriage is one too many. I don't think any woman would ever want to go through that. And so, you know, you, you get angry with God and you just you, you shake your fist, metaphor, you know, if you will, right? And you're just like, Why? Where are you, God? Why won't you help? Now, granted, that's not in the face of evil. That's just kind of more of a natural circumstance. But, you know, when you are faced with evil or persecution, you got, you know, evil stepped right up to your you know, front door. You know, just like in my kind of different kind of situation, there's people out there that ask, well, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why are you allowing evil to prevail over me? What did I do? And so David's opening lines of the psalm resemble you know psalm resembles remarks made in the um in the other old testament passage of habakkuk in chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 and psalm 22 1 so as usual scripture brings those comments into context showing that god will always vindicate his people eventually eventually and it because again people always ask why are you letting this happen to me like people probably may be asking why is our country 
turning to hell in a handbag right now. Like, what is going on? Like, there's so many people that I know in my personal circles that are losing hope of what's going on. And they've completely checked out. And I get it. You know, you think that the evil cabal and the elites are going to, you know, still rule the world and still have enslavement over all of humanity. And it's only going to get worse for our children and grandchildren. And it, it's a scary thought because you don't want your children and grandchildren to grow up in oppression and have that, that metaphorical boot on their neck, if you will. And so people are asking heavily right now, why is this happening to my country? Now, some people that are awake and know what's going on, there's a certain level of peace that people are experiencing. For me, I'm in that camp. I'm, I have that peace because I know it's coming. And I know whatever comes is going to have to be, is, is for good reason. Because it's, you know, God's doing. And so David mourns over what seems to be a complete lack of good people in the poetic sense. Everyone has become a double-talking liar. Kind of sounds familiar with some of the people in our nation today. You know, it just seems like there is a lack of good people. Now, in response, David calls on God to judge these wicked people and to flatter the word flattering, it means to, you know, to heap, you know, to, to flatter means to heap praise on someone, right? In contexts such as this, it implies dishonest and exaggerate, you know, exaggerated uh, compliments. And so these are usually given to soften someone up, you know, to butter them up and lowering their guard so that they can be taken advantage of. Now, much as he noted in other Psalms, like Psalm uh, 10, 6, and 13, David sees arrogance in these wicked people. And they think their smooth talk and deception will, you know, will keep them from any consequences. But also echoing his other Psalms, David connects wickedness with an abuse of the poor and weak. And so his earlier despair and anguish are balanced by a trust in God. And he knows God will, in the end, ultimately judge evil. I mean, he has to, right? God's not going to let that go. And so when you read verse 6, verse 6 makes a direct contrast to the lies and insincerity of the wicked. And so God's words, including his written word, are compared to ultra-refined precious metals. And the refining process removes impurities and lesser metals, leaving only the pure, valuable substance. And so seven in verse seven, seven is the bit, well, seven is the biblical number of perfection. So this implies that God's word is absolutely perfect in its purity. And so the end of the psalm returns to the same theme as the beginning. Humanity is saturated with corruption and evil. The Bible uses the term generation to refer to family trees, such as fathers and sons. And it also uses the term in reference to cultures and societies. And this generation from which the poor will be protected are these liars and deceivers mentioned in prior verses. Now, in the New Testament, Peter will echo the idea of evil hunting like a predator. And the term translated vileness implies something cheap or worthless. Instead of honoring the refined silver of God's word, mankind tends to prefer inferior lies and deceptions. Why is that? Mankind tends to prefer 
inferior lies and deceptions. Is it because lies and deceptions is what makes them comfortable and content with what's going on around them? You know, you gotta, you gotta wonder why does mankind tend to gravitate towards inferior lies and deceptions? Is it maybe because the truth is too hard for people to digest and have it marinate in their mind? That's a big possibility because whenever I try to speak truth to people and I try to give them the red pill, if you will, of what's happening and has been happening around our you know, nation for the last couple of years, hell, even around the world. I get people that just shut down. And I'm talking good logical people that, you know, kind of can see what's going on, but yet they're still in denial. Like I've talked about these things. Like, like I'll give you a, a very good example. I've talked about these things like, you know, the, 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 the pedophilia that goes on in all these rings, like in Hollywood and music and politics, you know, DC government, right. To even teachers in a local school board level or, you know, just whatever, right. It's everywhere. And how the CIA has, you know, the bad elements of the CIA. Cause again, not everybody in the CIA is bad. I've met someone locally around here um, that was formerly in a CIA, still kind of is to some level um, or degree. And that was kind of interesting how I kind of outed that because I was asking what he did for a living. That's a long story, but he came over to buy something from us and I asked him what he did for a living. He's like, well, I, I did a lot of work over and, you know, overseas and for the government and this and that. And anyway, to make a long story short, I'm like, well, that sounds kind of interesting. How come you don't, you know, like what happened? Like, did you retire from that? Was, well, you know, it just got to a point where people just started kind of, you know, loss of life started becoming a, a very um, a high uh, outcome with the line of work that I was doing. I said, you know, I'm like, I, if I didn't know any better, it sounded like you were in the CIA. And he kind of looked at me, his eyes kind of bulged just ever so slightly like, yeah, I was. Uh, but anyway, where was I going at with that? But anyway, but like, you know, with, with CIA and like, uh, what is it? What is it? The um, CPS, the Child Protective Services, you know, people don't want to hear the reality that these are big child trafficking rings. These are trafficking rings that exist within our structures of government. And people don't want to hear that. That's a lie that people, you know, that's, that's a truth that people would rather think is a lie. They, they don't want to think that that's true. Because it breaks their reality and it breaks their their their, their faith and, and trust in the institutions that they thought they could they can you know rely on. But again, we should never rely on man, only on God, because all these institutions are made by man: the CIA, the FBI, CPS, DARPA, Secretary of Def or you know the the DoD. You know all these institutions and branches of government, not even to say branches of government, that's an improper term, but all these little arms and extensions of government are man-made institutions. And so when you tell someone that one of these institutions that they thought they could trusted, you know, that they trusted all their lives is engaged in child trafficking, they shut down. They're like, no, you could show them all the proof in the world and they'll still shut down. They're like, no, that can't, that can't be true. That can't be true. How? And so maybe that's why people prefer to believe in fear, lies, and deceptions. Because it, 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 it almost in a way forces their head back in the sand like an ostrich, right? You get that ostrich effect like I've talked about. That ostrich effect where it just 
They just want to bury their head in the sand. Like, nope, 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 nope. That's not right. That's not true. That's not true. Can't be true. It won't be true. And they do everything in their mind to cons- you know, convince themselves otherwise. And that's a very dangerous thing, by the way. When you don't have an ability to really stare truth in its face, no matter how ugly the truth is, if you can't face solid truth, buddy, you're going to have a hard life. Because sometimes not all truth is packaged, packaged up in a pretty, you know, gift box with a nice bow and it's going to come out and it's going to rain, you know, understanding and gifts of uh, enlightenment. No, sometimes truth is ugly and it's messy. And in a lot of times it is so overwhelming that you, like I said, you don't even want to realize the reality of it. But maybe that's why, again, maybe that's why people prefer deceptions and lies. Maybe that's why people like hanging on to the news rather than hearing what's really going on by the truther movement, right? So anyway, that's pretty much all I got for you today. I'm going to, we're going to end this in a prayer, and then I'm going to hopefully, God willing, be able to start the next show, which is a, the, set, the, heart, the part two of the His Hardline discussion, the part two of Nisara. Okay, and that's going to be a little shorter than Tuesday's episode. So um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you bless us with, our good health, our families, a roof over our head, food. We also thank you for providing us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, at least those of us that are awaking, you know, that are waking up. Thank you for showing us the truth as we talk about the truth. We know it's ugly. We know sometimes the truth is not always, you know, easy, an easy pill to swallow. But as more and more people wake up, I just pray for the mental strength and courage that, you know, you help solidify people in their soul and in their mind and in their heart that, you know, as more truth comes out about what's going on in the world, that that people will be strong. And so I just pray, Father, that, uh, you know, you just keep people in balance and you keep people strengthened with what's, you know, with all the, you know, with all the disclosures that are coming out. And when people find out this truth, I also pray that people will be prompted into a positive action, not a reaction, but a positive action to do good, to do a beneficial, you know, things for humanity to help, to help rid of the evil that has plagued us for centuries and so with that father though we also ask for your forgiveness and we repent of our sins individually and collectively as a whole as a nation we are trying to do everything we can within our humanly power to make things right to return you back to the center and to glorify you once again the way you should have been glorified all this time but man thought they knew better than you god And I could see why man turned away from God, turned away from you because of arrogance and pride. But that's all getting thrown out the window. We will return back to you. And so we pray all this in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is all I have for you. I'm going to play this outro here so I can try to get back here in about five minutes, maybe less, or maybe a couple minutes after. Depends on how Podby wants to react to me here. 
Ah, Podbean, I tell you, it's great. I like the platform. It's actually a great platform, but every once in a while, there's some, there's still some flaws with it. It's not as responsive as I like it to be. So anyway, I hope you have a blessed day, blessed night, wherever you're at in the world, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. out our website www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates.